if a man is getting rupees 100 the woman is getting rupees 86 so this is for the best okay. countries so in india it is estimated to be around 50% uh, oh, wow. so yeah so it's like literally half but sir i'm not going to get married <laughs> like i'm telling him this answer which i mean thanks to srk of course i mean who else <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> of course Welcome to Berry Nari with your podcast hosts Saraswati and Aditi. One, a child-loving engineer from Bangalore, and the other, a beer-sipping economist in Berlin. Join us and our expert guests as we enter the vibrant world of Indian women through the power of data and stories. Welcome to Berry Nari. Uh, I'm here. I'm Saraswati, and she's Aditi. And uh, let's get started. So, Aditi, do you want to introduce a bit about yourself? <laughs> uh, hi, hi everyone. Hi, Saras. Thanks a lot. So, I'm Aditi. I'm an economist. I was a very angry teenager. uh and i have to say over time i have channeled my uh youth anger through uh doing my phd working in lot of gender issues and uh, uh inequality research over years and i think i have become a much calmer person and now i'm really excited to be working with saraswati building uh, cranberry which is our company in women's health uh where we want to change the health outcomes of women through uh lifestyle and better access to healthcare uh yeah i'm super excited to be also doing the podcast with saraswati i'm saraswati i'm an engineer by education so i've been through the stem education system of india i graduated from iit kharagpur uh worked in corporate and then in startup and now i'm building this women health startup with aditi I'm super excited to create this space with you Aditi where we actually talk about women and their stories I mean just bring it, bring it to forefront the stories of data and systems and and what's the narrative of women in India so that's this is our initiative to call Berinari the space to talk about women what excites you about doing Berinari Yeah so uh, I think personally till I was 20 i would always noticed uh, growing up in the 90s in india with both of us did which we've already given up uh, by the title of this episode uh, srk and amir khan uh, so i think i always noticed that uh, there was something not right in terms of gender and uh, you know discrimination inequality and but i think i never had a way to describe it or put it into words uh, and then i when i started doing my phd i started looking at the systematic inequalities uh and i was like oh wow this is crazy and why didn't i know about all of this uh and i was thinking if i am especially ignorant <laughs> or something like that and then i was like no that is not the case cuz such things should be mainstream to talk about uh and uh, i think for me that's like a big motivation of creating this uh, now with you this space this conversation uh, which uh, other women of all ages hopefully will hear and also men and the whole society so yeah these things really become mainstream to talk about and yeah. what about you yeah uh, a light bulb moment for me has had been when i got a chance to read the world economic forum report on gender mm-hmm. this was when i was looking to 
figure out what I want to do next and how can I really solve the problem of gender inequality uh, and it's something that I've always been super passionate about and um, World Economic Forum presents the gender data gap where they really measure the gap across education, political empowerment, economic empowerment and health uh, for uh, women across different countries and that really gave me an insight into how uh, like just systematically looking at the gaps that are there across different sectors and how you can think about interventions and how you can think about improving lives of women at large. And it also really uh, got me intrigued to just think of the whole uh, the gender issue at scale and looking at how systematically things affect mm -hmm. them, how systematically we can solve them. Uh, because still mm -hmm. now, it, a lot of times felt a very personal fight. Uh, my own struggles of trying to get recognition, trying to get right, trying to get, get the space to choose my own life mm -hmm. partner, uh, trying to delay my own marriage. Like all of these were like almost <laughs> personal gender fights, but there were also personal fights. But yeah. then I think just reading that made me uh, look at the, it in a very different perspective. And this for me then is again a space where we take that conversation with all the other women that we know and all the other people so that everyone can uh, understand it better and then therefore take better action and just join the narrative with us. So uh, that's that excites me. I'm very super excited to talk about all the topics that we have lined up. Um, starting with the very first one and my favorite, uh, Shah Rukh Khan, Amir Khan and Women Equality. Um, followed by Land Rights, which is our uh, line of our episode two by, yeah. um, we, we have my friend, uh, High Court Advocate Ashwini joining us in that conversation where we really talk about inheritance rights and, uh, you know, can women really own land and how does it work? But let's get to today's- My brother, uh, I'm coming to sue you. Like I'm just uh, like a warning <laughs> for my brother now. No. But yeah, that's it's, I'm so excited for that episode because to really actually understand yeah. inheritance. And uh, I think I also wanted to just double down on the gender data gap point you said. So that's uh, from what I understand now really like this uh, thing that there's lesser data and information on the lives of women uh, globally. And I know, Saras, you're a big fan of the book Invisible Women. Uh, right i am yes i think it, it has definitely changed my career trajectory and and really <laughs> inspired me to work uh, for women uh, at a systematic level for sure yeah yeah and i think uh, we noticed that globally of course that is uh, an issue so for example in health it's really well documented now that we understand women's uh, pains and the symptoms they feel uh, much lesser than we understand for men. Their, women were not part of clinical trials in medicine for the longest time till even like the 80s in the US. So things like those. And But we are really focusing, especially for Indian women, their stories, both through data as well as, you know, like actually getting women and their stories. So... Uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of reasons to create Bedi Nari, definitely, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So each episode, uh, we will be calling in a guest where, and we'll talk mm -hmm. about topics that really impact women at a systematic level. Uh, we will be discussing the key uh, developments over the last few years and also the key data that we all should know as common people to really help us understand the sector better, understand the law better understand the systems better 
Uh, today's episode, we don't have a guest though. It will just be you and me discussing a bit more about what do we really mean by women's narrative uh, in mm. each episode? What what do we understand by it? And uh, in different areas, what's our take on it? So yeah, so on to the most exciting uh, topic of today, which is Shah Rukh Khan, Amir Khan and women or women's equality. Um, <laughs> why this clickbaity title, Aditi? Why, why have you chosen this clickbaity title? Why have I chosen the clickbaity title? Uh, I, I think it's because you are obsessed with SRK and and it keeps coming up in all conversations. So, uh, yeah, I think, again, growing up, uh, there was like, I think there was Shah Rukh and Amir were there like big in the 90s when we were growing up and uh, Shah Rukh, SRK in some ways like signified to me so much like everything Indian, like, you know, chaos and charm and like, uh, I'm sure he's not like that personally, but like, you know, that was his personality. And for me, Amir Khan was like, you know, the logical one, the rational one, you know, trying to actually raise awareness and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I I would say I'm on the Amir camp, and yeah, you are definitely. Yeah, I have to say you're missing out by not being on the Shah Rukh camp. <laughs> I have loved Shah Rukh Khan all my life, and I watched Patan, and I recently also watched Jawan in theater, and really hooted for all <laughs> Shah Rukh Khan scenes. Uh, one thing that I, I I always tell this to people uh, that in Shah Rukh Khan movies, I have seen women having dialogues women having profession women doing something uh, which i almost mm. found missing in other movies and uh, that almost felt like uh, you were seen in the movies mm-hmm. and my uh, th- i mean my thought i think was only uh, reinforced by this book by shrayana bhattacharya mm. who writes this book called desperately seeking shahrukh khan where she really talks about how women found their own voice uh, mm-hmm. and their own economic empowerment and that timeline almost overlaps with the timeline of shahrukh khan's fame rising and him be- he becoming a great actor Although with Jawan, I have to say uh, that's one thing that hasn't happened because the whole movie had women saying just one dialogue, yes, chief. <laughs> so I was really? a bit disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love seeing women like ex- execute fight sequences and just mm. like going at it. And yeah, unfortunately, they didn't really have much dialogue. So this movie, I, I would say, doesn't stand that. But most of the, I think, other Shah Rukh Khan movies, mm. I've always seen women having a role, a voice, a personality. A job um, and and thoughts like which was really missing from a lot of other movies that would come yeah. at that point of time where they were really just there to be there uh, uh, as a set piece and not really yeah. a, a plot point, you know. So yeah, that's yeah. why I love no. Shahrukh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, makes sense. And I think uh, yeah, yeah, desperately seeking Shahrukh is also a great like book and. Yeah, it's so interesting to see in that book that women of so many backgrounds relate to Shah Rukh, right? It's uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, but okay, that like really pushes me because I have to give an example of how Amir has inspired me because now, I mean, I know it's not a... Co- <laughs> no, it's not, no, it's a, not competition, a competition. Competition, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I, so Amir Khan did this show called Satya Mev Jayate. Uh, which uh, like br- brought to the forefront like a lot of social issues, often through stories and data, actually, 
I may say. Uh, That's right? true, actually. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, the first episode was on sex-selective abortion. Uh, basically, uh, families in India wanting to have male child. And so, like, aborting in some way or the other if they were pregnant with a girl child. And that episode had this women's story who basically, like was uh, you know so she would get pregnant with a girl and aborted and then again aborted at this you know for the same childbirth uh, order right so like it was i think her second child i don't remember and so for me that was like crazy that like oh you're not just going through one abortion but like a lot of abortions and yeah and i think like uh, later in my phd i did a paper on that oh uh, actually measuring it with data uh, uh yeah of course making it very exciting but <laughs> i think <laughs> for me like that was really i think i had not heard stories like that and when there were women and sharing those stories i was like what because you know we have to question your own culture yourself your families and everything and it's really hard to do uh, at any age and i think that was super hard but i think uh, that uh, conversation gave me a mental model to think about it at least so uh yeah i think uh, but i think also another point is that we wanted to call it srk and amir this episode cuz we really want these topics to become as mainstream as talking about them right so yeah True. i think that, hmm. yeah i think one of the big uh, gripe that we often have is how women data or women conversations or women health uh, also where we are working mm. are often tagged as niche topics or uh, impact areas or something <laughs> that has very limited reach and you're like but it's literally the most mainstream thing it's 50% of the population so yes i think uh, we want to we want it to become as popular as shahrukh khan and amir khan uh, because i think the very first thing that also pushed me to do very nari apart from like doing women's narrative is this stat that i read at uh, strayana bhattacharya's book that's greatly seeking sharo where it really talked about the labor force participation of women reducing mm-hmm. over the years and it was almost it, it's quite counterintuitive because you would think that the as the women number of women increase number of women educating studying and working increase the participation should be higher but it has actually come down uh, from the 90s to like where okay. we are today mm-hmm. and it's only reducing even further the pandemic made it worse yeah. so uh, uh, yeah i mean it's and and i was like we i mean what's happening like i'm i'm quite True. like i really want to like know uh, that yeah yeah i know it is like i think a very big puzzle like which people are trying to study because I think right now it's at around 22% or around 20% right now and at yes. its peak it had reached till like the later 20s at some point of time and then yeah, yeah it I was think, almost 33 34% yeah? at the peak okay. yeah hmm true it is you're totally right it is quite counterintuitive with all the economic progress with culture changing yeah women empowerment yeah better mobility uh yeah i think we'll definitely have a guest on this i think it's a it's a like there are a lot of like uh different scientists working on this question yeah economists anthropologists and they are both like supply and demand side issues of course from like the women side like uh, less mobility uh, uh, safety culture but also i think there's a lot of arguments about that maybe the indian industries like for example in bangladesh they did a lot of textile industries 
which were very conducive to women working in them so right uh, yeah so and uh, our guest will tell us more but quite likely uh, it's a combination of both kind of factors and uh, but i think definitely there is like no doubt like apart from let's say if you don't want to take like the value judgment that oh you know women should work cuz we know owning and money leads to you know more decision making power more bargaining power apart from that also i think like it's just like for the country's economy and all also it's like so much workforce not uh, working yeah so the fact that we are building a remote first company intentionally i'm quite mm-hmm. excited about it we have i think already been able to reach a lot of women who had to uh, quit their jobs because they couldn't get to the office or maintain a certain timeline because of uh, how the households or the how the culture is structured but now they were finding fa- finding a way back to working and their own independence with this work from home thing so i'm really excited to meet or reach all the talent that's yeah. uh, out there and probably looking for something that's more flexible and i'm looking forward to workplaces becoming more family focused like mm-hmm. people think work from home is just a women's issue and it helps women but no it essentially is a family mm-hmm. issue it helps families raise better take better care of uh, their family so yeah yeah no i think totally like i think lately i've been noticing more around me at work and like personal life and marriage and like having kids definitely does affect women's participation in the labor force i think uh, there's almost no doubt about it and that's i think uh, definitely something yeah we should talk about uh another thing which i've always found very fascinating in labor is actually like unpaid labor or like household work which also comes under that so cuz when i used to work with labor statistics you start defining what is unemployed what you know like really technically what it is and like actually doing like caring so we know like women do bulk of the unpaid care work of household child elderly so the question like why is that not work um and that's like super philosophically fascinating and i think like personally for me also it's quite important cuz like i just want to be valued in what i do right so imagine yes. if i was a homemaker doing that it is like a, it is a job and i'm doing that and like i want my mother to be valued for what she does or any of my aunts right so i don't know i i really find it fascinating and i think it has to be spoken about more so huh. so i mean it's interesting that you bring up unpaid work because i think the other thing that i find fascinating is farm work a lot of women are engaged mm-hmm. in farm work which is also uh, uh where it's considered work it's counted in the statistic but it's also a work where women get paid quite less and i would think the gap of you mean compared to men yes compared okay. to men mm-hmm. uh of course i think the gender pay gap is something that uh, travels through uh all all levels of work that's there and we often hear a lot of statistic about the wage gap in the US or in around other countries but i'm quite curious to know what's the wage gap like in india and because it's really important to yeah it matters it matters it literally matters to me and everybody that i know like it affects our lives so yeah i know we are both the same gender sara so good good you are <laughs> uh, uh yeah so 
I mean, gender wage gap. Uh, yeah, totally right. It's like a very global issue, and uh, so uh, it means that basically, even when you're at the same position, a man and a woman, they get paid differently, having similar qualifications and things. So even in the best performing countries, uh, women are paid around eighty six percent of men. So like Iceland is one of the best performance countries. So that means if a man is getting rupees hundred, the woman is getting rupees eighty six. So this is for the best okay. countries. So in India, it is estimated to be around fifty percent. Um, oh wow! So yeah, so it's like literally half. Uh, and this statistic includes like everything from management consultants to someone working on a farm, as you said, to film actors, and uh, that uh, as so I think lot of work to do there. And you're totally right. Like it's so personally important also because now that I'm aware of this, I'll be like. Hey, I most probably like like to negotiate up, <laughs> most likely whenever I'm interviewing, and also I think for the society it's like so important because a lot of times people they don't know they have this unintentional bias of uh, you know uh, doing this. Maybe it's not intentional, but I think if we talk more about it, yeah, both both men and women become more aware of it. You know, this really reminds me of. two anecdotes actually mm-hmm. one uh, was so when i i was i had left my job and then i was looking for a job in the agriculture space that was something that i was quite passionate about and i wanted to work in and i remember cool. i had gone for this interview uh, at a workplace and i i was 24 23 at that time mm-hmm. and had a great interview good conversation i was able to answer everything and the person who was interviewing me was also quite happy and impressed he goes no oh, you know i think you are like the kind of person we are looking for we need like passionate people working on this and you know and then we kind of start talking about compensation mm-hmm. uh, of what we should be he should be paying and and i understood that we were working in agriculture space so it's not something that would be paid higher or whatever so i think i had done my homework of what his managers are usually paid okay. and that's what i was like you know this is what i would like would want expect he offered me half of that <laughs> okay statistic <laughs> checked out by your story oh my god yeah and he his reason was uh, you are going to get married soon like he said did that he, like did he say that to you oh. yeah yeah he said that so he said that uh, you know i really like you but I will hire you today, and another mm-hmm. year I'll invest my year or two on mm-hmm. you, and then you will get married, and then you will go away to with your husband's place. So my investment, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to get ROI on my investment, mm-hmm. and uh, therefore I don't uh, see it worthwhile to give the same amount of money because you will not. I'm I am pretty sure you will not continue. and even if you stay here then you will have a kid and then so this was a conversation that was happening and at that point mm-hmm. of time i was so young and i was like but sir i'm not going to get married <laughs> like i'm telling him this answer it's like now i feel like so i mean sad for myself <laughs> but 23 that why i felt so helpless and because i really wanted to kind of get through that job and um but yeah i mean right like wow. so this is very a subtle way of like doing this yeah i mean this, this is not your subtle, this is not subtle <laughs> but in some way yeah. i don't know hats off to him to be so transparent i i mean i mean that so i think that's most probably not i can see now. that like, he had explicitly said it he said, but like yeah. i'm sure 
a lot of people would not even explicitly say it and say it like, yeah no definitely i think like that and even i think when we interview people or something uh i notice that maybe they because we definitely do not ask about their personal life uh and uh, so i think but people also try to kind of like hide that information which is totally fair they but it seems it's really sad because we, we we interview a lot of women and they have to actually like try not to show that side of them to uh, employers because they will judge them that oh actually you live with your in-laws or you have a young child it's wow it's like True. crazy right yeah yeah i think uh, when i was leading people function at my previous startup it was a big part of the work was just to get interviewers to understand that these are not the questions that they can ask women and they have to uh, or they can't make judgments based on this mm-hmm. information about the person who's coming for interview uh, we also uh, I, again i mean i think from the people function days i just like again i'm reminded of this one incident that happened from a famous recruiting portal and mm-hmm. i i want to shout out to rasna and divya because i think the three of us had like a huge my good friends and we had like a huge cribbing session about it but this is like a, a hiring portal where you could hire mbas and the portal had a recruiters view back then mm-hmm. and uh, on the recruiters view you could see the you could see the information about the candidate their their experience their probability of getting hired but there was also this other important information of the possible remuneration that the candidate would get so okay. while their uh, uh, the, the the possible salary that they would get so i think or what for, they would so accept a, what they would accept what accept. they would accept mm. so what can what what is the potential salary that you could hire this person at mm. and there was a gender cut on that like the so for uh, the same position same role same qualification same women like for men it said like oh they would get at x salary and for women they showed that they you could get them at 0.6x or 0.5x salary like it was visible on the portal like you could slice this information by gender mm. and it just made me feel really sad about like these are like the most qualified people that the country has and there you are and this is a portal which is like quite famous mm-hmm. uh, and they have like actually explicitly shown this that oh so you can hire the guy on the salary and actually the women you can hire at 0.6x mm-hmm. uh, of the same salary so and it really made us question like what's going on this parity yeah. and from what i understand now it's not even legal to do that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was saying like uh, for society it's important because there would be unintentional biases, but uh, yeah, there could be some intentional ones also. Uh, it looks like Yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's a crazy story. I think I yeah, first time you told me I couldn't believe it. I think uh, <laughs> what's interesting I'm finding here is that there is some systemic issue here, of course, right? I think like clearly like the as you said beautifully like the workplaces aren't designed for families right so there's like a deeper issue going on where for companies it is like they think it is not in their best interest to hire women especially of a certain age and so there's something more systemic happening but of course for us as women being in that position it's something very personal right so it might come across like we are cribbing right now but yeah. of course imagine but if you're getting paid half of uh, your colleague it is personal so yeah 
true at that point it would i mean i can see a woman in that position if she's offered that would almost feel that uh she's not being valued enough or maybe mm-hmm. something is wrong with her i mean i can see myself questioning that okay maybe i need to prove myself even more to get the salary that my male counterpart is getting mm-hmm. but n- now you see that hey, wait a second like the problem is not even with you i, I mean if a yeah. product has gone through like multiple iterations a developer has made it and it's showing up on a ui <laughs> then there's like enough people in the system who believe that this is the right way to go about it you can pay women half of what you you are paying men and it's not oh, your personal battle anymore yeah that's really a great point that people will take it very personally and it's like their own self esteem everything would get affected that as you i'm not good enough uh, Uh, yeah and it's interesting to think about where the solutions will uh, lie definitely in a episode uh, i think a lot of it will have to do with maybe systemic solutions but also yeah i think like talking about it so both everyone in the society is more aware of it uh, at least like as a starting point okay so that 50% statistic doesn't seem that crazy now i was like okay even though it's from the world economic uh, review but i was like it sounds like a lot but yeah mm. yeah and uh, i mean the sad part is that thing, so so this is the thing right like i mean as like i was saying that this is not even legal uh, i mean now we have an act uh, of equal pay for equal work i think it's mm-hmm. the under the article 14 of the constitution it almost came in 1965 um but i think what's what's inspiring for me is also this case uh, it's called uh, mckinnon mckenzie and co versus audrey de costa and others i think it's a case and we'll probably have a lawyer to talk more about it but the crux of that is there were these male stenographers and women stenographers who were working for a company and they were paid half and that point of time all the women yeah. went ahead and like actually filed a case and the court granted reinforced the law saying that you know you have to pay equal pay for equal work you cannot discriminate based mm. on gender and they won the case and they actually got equal pay and okay. 25 years later we are here <laughs> so when was that that was in 9 the act uh, was no, in the case. 1987 okay 1987 hmm yeah yeah i think it's i think a lot of time is just even the identification of the problem is not there or what you can even do about it uh you're right as a individual i would take it very personally that it's me yeah you, but like you, i guess like I, some women or group of women do take initiative to like fight the system and that's amazing and inspiring absolutely right like it's i i think i'm i'm quite curious to know more of these movements that women have done through the in to the history of india and i'm i'm quite excited about exploring more of those movements uh and learn about them as we build more episodes i think the one that i Uh, yeah, I think you had mentioned about the Chipko moment. You are from Dehradun, and I guess <laughs> the, you had shared it. And I was like, oh, that's that's one of the most that was one of the most inspiring movement that I had heard of. But uh, did do you like? Did you learn more about it just by the virtue of being from there? And yeah, I think so. Chipko Andolan. Uh, I think growing up, I had always uh, vaguely heard about it. but i think only as a like a much more grown up adult did i like actually read more about it and it was super fascinating as you're saying cuz it's called one of the first eco feminist movements so cuz women were really the backbone of the movement cuz there was a lot of deforestation going on in uttarakhand because of construction and 
I mean, I wouldn't say women's livelihoods, but like the family's livelihoods dependent on those forests, right? And but women are the one in Uttarakhand who go and get the firewood and actually work a lot uh, in the forested area. So yeah, they like really were the ones like protesting and chipko like hugging to the trees as a mark of protest and. For example, Gauri Devi, she was just like a village woman who was one of the, I would say, the prominent leaders of it. And uh, yeah, I think it was so inspiring reading about it because as a teenager growing up, I used to think that, what, like Indian women aren't rebellious. We don't have like so many movements. And then, of course, I was like not right. I just wasn't informed enough because there were not these conversations happening. Uh, so... Chipko Andolan, uh, definitely, like, I would have loved to know it earlier. And recently, I was also reading a graphic novel on Rosa Luxemburg. She was a German-Austrian uh, economist, philosopher, politician. And wow, like, so inspirational. Uh, like, uh, And I was like, oh, my God, if I had read this as a young girl, I I mean, I would have created this podcast, like, you know, 15 years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like role models are so important or having many role models that it almost doesn't become a big deal. Yeah, I think there's have... no such thing as many role models. I think <laughs> the more we have, um, yeah, the more people we relate to and find inspiration. And, yeah. yeah, and I think like when we started working more on menstrual health, uh, I, I think uh, uh, you were telling me more about a movement of Lagu ka lagan, it's called, I think. Right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that. Uh, yeah, that just came to my mind. Of uh, because I think uh, again in the in the U.S. context, we often hear about tampon tags mm. and and how True. these goods are taxed there. And uh, the curiosity was so, so in India, like are we taxed on sanitary pads and sanitary napkins? The good news is no, we are not. Okay. But. The, the story is that it only got abolished in 2018. So till 2018, we were paying taxes on uh, sanitary or menstrual hygiene products. And the credit goes to the movement led by women um, mm-hmm. and the NGO called She She, she Says. And the movement was called Lahu Kalagan. They talked about uh, being taxed for bleeding every month. It's not mm-hmm. a choice. So therefore, it should not be taxed. And then eventually... A lot of people came out in support of it. It became a really big movement and finally mm-hmm. leading the government to actually abolish the tax. So, so inspirational. Uh, and again, something that affects women every day, every month yeah. uh, as they bleed. Like this is a uh, money that's going out of their pocket for bleeding, right? And very, very inspiring movement uh, indeed. I love the name <laughs> Lahuga Lagan. It's like, tra- I think it translates because to it tax Amir on Khan's blood. Lagan in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, because <laughs> on blood. I'm like, wow, what a strong name. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, though, what comes out is the endometrial lining, right? Hmm. So, okay, now I'm putting my science cap on. Okay, I'm, like, maybe it's a bit least... <laughs> I'm like, maybe it's a bit misleading, actually. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, think, yeah. Uh... I, know. I know you're working in women's <laughs> health but... I mean, yeah. okay, we could no, have called it tax uh, on the endometrial lining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then no one would have signed on that petition. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> it is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think uh, this also reminds me about actually your work because you worked with the government of Uttarakhand uh, 
on anemia. Is, is that correct? And there was also on women's health and just improving that, which which is a big part of big symptom that a lot of uh, or deficiency that a lot of women experience in India, the iron deficiency. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, true. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Working with the Uttarakhand government, I have to say the most inspirational thing was that I was actually working with a couple who was living in like the uh, Chamba district I was working on. Really beautiful, of course. And like they had basically moved there when they were like 25 when they had finished the MBBS and just dedicated life to, you know, serving uh, health there. Uh, so I think one that was super inspirational and uh, in particular, like in maternal health. Yeah. Uh, so um, 57 of Indian women uh, are anemic. So that is huge. That's, that's a lot. So I think, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I always find that statistic so crazy. And of course, if you're anemic during your pregnancy, it is becomes much more dangerous. Uh, so I think uh, so the government, what it does is, among other things, is like give these iron folic acid tablets to women. And a lot of the women okay. were still having low anemic values, maybe not taking the tablets or what were the issue there. So we were really trying to understand that better. Yeah, and I, I think uh, uh, the statistic that 50%, 57% women are anemic and 25% of men are also anemic. But you can really see okay. that systemically women are much more, right, for different reasons. And I was like, oh, this is so important to know for myself. Because I get myself checked now. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> I, as well as if my uh, friend or my cousin is like, you know, so all quite tired quite often and all, I, I can't nudge them saying that, hey, you know. I mean, I don't tell them the probability that they're anemic, but uh, <laughs> I try to nudge them to uh, get tested. So uh, I think, uh, have you got tested, Saras? Yeah, I think now okay. I have a regular <laughs> blood test. <laughs> so, I, thanks to my partner. <laughs> I think the healthcare system itself now accepts that the healthcare system hasn't done justice to women, most likely. So, I think there are like gynecological institutes, like I think the Australian one did apologize for endometriosis. Uh, so that's a condition uh, where women face uh, experience very intense, uh, severe period pain, cramps. Uh, and uh, so they have an average diagnosis for it can take up till eight years globally. So I think the healthcare system often wasn't trained or in recognizing women's symptoms, listening to them, didn't have enough evidence yeah. or known about it. Yeah, so I think personally... Yeah. I can like add to that because uh, my mom uh, suffered from uh, ovarian cancer. She's doing very well now. But then because I got obsessed and read so much about ovarian cancer, of course, uh, that uh, globally there are like so many cases um, where because the symptoms of ovarian cancer are like really just like anything else you would have in life, like a bit of bloating, which women have a lot of times because of their cycle or other hormonal things as well. And so like all the symptoms are very much which can be dismissed as something else. Um, so like the diagnosis of ovarian cancer is always very late. Uh, so I think like and personally also we like saw that. And it's like uh, really as you're saying that makes you angry in some ways that because the numbers of these conditions are huge often the reproductive cancers. 
एंड लाइक वी आर लाइक क्या वाई डोंट लाइक द वुमेन आर इन्फॉर्म मोर अबाउट इट इन अ गुड वे एंड या सो आई थिंक लाइक दैट वॉज वन ऑफ द इंसिडेंट्स विच डेफिनेटली पुश मी टू पर्सनली ऑल्सो वर्क मोर एक्टिवली इन द फॉर्म ऑफ क्रिएटिंग क्रैनबरी विद यू टू एक्चुअली वर्क ऑन दीज इशूज सो आई थिंक वेरी हैप्पी टू बी अ पार्ट ऑफ द सोल्यूशन ना बट आई ऑल्सो रिमेंबर वेन वी लुक अप about period pain that's the issue that we are starting as as we begin our journey uh, this is almost 80% women experience period pain and mm-hmm. 40% experience severe to not be able to get through with their day uh, each each cycle and you feel like this why is this not being spoken <laughs> about <laughs> like how do we why is this information not common place and it feels like again an individuals battle Mm-hmm. and not a collective problem like it just seem like ha like it's my mm-hmm. this person's problem her lifestyle is not okay True. she needs to fix her life and that's yeah. uh that's why she's facing it and you're like wow that doesn't sound right like at the, this at this statistic i think overall that's the narrative which was it is fed to us and so i think it's really important to break uh, that uh, chain i think like i was in a health conference where a doctor was talking about where a lot of women would come to her and just be like uh yeah my bleeding is so heavy but it's normal my mom also had it or you know like this and it's normal but and <laughs> so yeah i i think uh, you totally hit the nail on the head that uh, uh i i always took it like more as oh it's normal it's like my personal thing yeah i'm i'm glad that uh I'm on the solution side right now. Otherwise, it definitely angers you even more. That's like, yeah. I know. I mean, thanks to S R K, of course. I mean, who else? <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Saraswati, you had no hand uh, in this. Uh, it was all Shah Rukh Khan pushing you ahead in life, bringing you here <laughs> to work on yeah. cranberry and berry nari. Absolutely. <laughs> He, when i was lost in my life and i was thinking what i should do next it was his book no you know you're you're joking really? it's actually serious like okay. when, I was, when i stopped working uh, i i mean i i got out of my previous startup and i was like okay what i should do next i stumbled upon this book uh, by shrayana bhattacharya but okay. i stumbled upon it because it had shahrukh khan on the, uh-huh. on the cover and then then i started reading and then i think it really pushed me to like take this leap to work for women and do something that really helps all of us our next guest is of course going to be sharukh what will be the episode about <laughs> i am just going to say amen to that i hope one day we are able to invite sharukh <laughs> to the episode i don't think I, i i don't need anything else from my life i can just like die what <laughs> you can continue to build cranberry <laughs> like so i say bye bye like my life's purpose is met i am at sharukh khan maybe he should become the brand ambassador of menstrual health for women <laughs> or or just health or women's health <gasps> actually hmm why <laughs> just yeah you should yeah it it would be interesting i mean it would be a controversial uh, take let's just say <laughs> yeah let's see but no i think our next guest is uh not sharuk but an equally exciting person that's uh, my very good friend ashwini she's a advocate Uh, at the high court and she's been very actively working on women's rights and um 
issues that impact women and we are specifically discussing with her about land rights uh, i think it's been fascinating for me to always understand what are my rights to inheritance and mm-hmm. we all have experienced or we all know one aunt in our family who's probably fighting for her share in her, in the inheritance either in the court or outside the court so i really wanted to understand from her what are our rights as women when was this introduced what does uh, ownership look like uh, in india for women um, so that i think more of us feel comfortable talking about it and understanding where the system supports us and and where the system has a long way to go to support us so yeah. uh, super excited about that Ooh, I sound sounds amazing. Yeah, that's why I was warning my brother. I'm gonna. I think because with a lot of times these laws and rights is like, like for example with this one, I actually do not know about it. So even if it, you don't I know think, if you can sue your brother, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if there is like a mandated like equal split or something like that. So even if like something happened to me or in my uh, like uh, other women in my life. I I don't think I would even have that information because anyway from society I find it totally acceptable that only the sons inherit right so firstly I'll have to question that let's say I even question it but then I don't have the next piece of information as well so yeah so yeah hopefully this be... question answers uh, this the that sort answers all of those questions yeah very excited to have more questions both <laughs> <be> exciting <laughs> outcome <laughs> yeah So thanks everyone for tuning in into this episode of Perinari where do you want to conclude uh summarize maybe two three key points from today's episode uh yeah sure i, I think yeah. i think the key takeaway for me has been uh, a lot about this whole systemic uh, issues we're talking about versus how we take it as a individual or personally uh, i think you brought that point out uh, beautifully that like you know we would take it often like oh it's my problem it's my issue it's something with me or i am fighting a battle i am angry uh whereas it helps to see it a lot of in terms of the systems as well that you know i am first i'm not alone in this there is a whole systemic structure why this is happening and the solutions can lie both in a combination of them so see you in the next berry nari episode for more of this <laughs> data and stories thank you bye bye bye